0: Make sure to subscribe to podcasts produced by the Archdiocese of St. Louis so that you'll never miss an episode. Just go to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or just about any other podcast app, search for Archdiocese of St. Louis, and subscribe to us. That way you'll get every episode of the Catholic Gateway podcast, the Word of Mouth podcast, and some other audio, maybe homilies from Archbishop Carlson or other talks that we post there as well. So do that. And then make sure to share it with your friends. And while you're at it, maybe give us a good rating, because that always helps. An apology to Father Joseph Jing Advent events, and a new bishop in Missouri. This and more on the Catholic Gateway Podcast weekly news update for December 4th, 2017. Hello and welcome to this Catholic Gateway Podcast news update. I'm your host, Gabe Jones. It's been a few weeks since I've recorded and posted one of these weekly news updates. I apologize for the absence. Uh, this podcast is really just a, a labor of love. It's a, it's a passion project of mine, not part of my official job description as the media relations specialist for the Archdiocese. So. Frankly, I just was a little busy the past few weeks uh, through November and I think most of October, but I did hear from a few of you listeners uh, wondering what it had happened. It's all good. Just uh, simply had a lot of other things going on and I was not able to sit down and get in the studio and record these weekly news updates. And so I apologize for that, but hey, we're back at it this week. We're starting a new liturgical season, the season of Advent, and so I figured might as well get in the studio and make this happen. So thanks for tuning in or um, uh, podcasting in, however you want to refer to that. So we'll jump right in to the news and upcoming events here in the Archdiocese of St. Louis for this week, December 4th, 2017, the first week of Advent. The Survivors Network of Those Abused by Priests, also known as SNAP, issued an apology to Father Joseph Jang, Archbishop Carlson, the late Monsignor Joseph Pins, and the Archdiocese of St. Louis as part of a settlement agreement in a defamation lawsuit filed by Father Jang in 2015. The apology, which was released on Monday, November 27th, reads in part, quote, Snap acknowledges that false claims of clergy sexual abuse injure those clerics falsely accused and the Roman Catholic Church. Snap apologizes for any false or inaccurate statements related to the complaints against Father Joseph Jang that it or its representatives made, which in any way disparaged Father Joseph Jang, Archbishop Robert J. Carlson, Monsignor Joseph D. Pins, and the Archdiocese of St. Louis. Unquote. More coverage of Father Joseph Jing is available in the St. Louis Review, so you want to check out that story. If you're looking for beautiful and spiritually uplifting Advent events, here's an idea. On December 17th, Archbishop Robert J. Carlson will preside over an afternoon of readings and music with Archdiocesan choirs and images from the St. John's Bible being displayed on the walls of the cathedral. Also during the event, the St. John's Bible will be permanently installed in the Cathedral Basilica of St. Louis, the seven volumes can be viewed following the service. The event is free and open to the public at the Cathedral Basilica beginning at 2.30 p.m. on December 17th. For more Advent resources, visit archstl.org Advent. We'll be updating that page. And the St. Louis Review has more Advent events listed on their calendar at stlouisreview.com. We'll talk more about Advent in the second half of this episode with Father Nick Smith, Director of the Office of Sacred Worship, so stay tuned. On Tuesday, November 21st, the Vatican announced that Pope Francis has named Father Sean McKnight of the Wichita, Kansas, Diocese as the fourth bishop of the Diocese of Jefferson City, Missouri. This position has been held by St. Louis native Most Reverend Bishop John Gatos since 1997. Another native St. Louis bishop, Archbishop Joseph Nauman of the Archdiocese of Kansas City, Kansas, who served as a director of the St. Louis Respect Life Apostolate from 1985 to 1995, was elected to chair the Pro-Life Committee for the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, and this happened on November 14th at the USCCB's annual Fall General Assembly in Baltimore. Archbishop Nauman is known for his strong support of St. John Paul II's Culture of Life, He was the keynote speaker at the 7th Annual Legatus Gospel of Life Prayer Breakfast here in St. Louis in 2016. A reminder that this Friday, December 8th, is the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception and a Holy Day of Obligation for Catholics. The Immaculate Conception is the doctrine of the Catholic Church that Mary, as the Mother of Jesus Christ, was preserved from all stain of original sin. Check with your local parish for Mass times. Masses at the Cathedral Basilica will be offered at 7 a.m., 8 a.m., 12.05 p.m., and 5.30 p.m. Now, here are the five quintessential stories from the St. Louis Review, handpicked by the staff for you to share and discuss this week. You can find these stories at stlouisreview.com five things, or in the paper dated December 4th, 2017. As you have just heard, Archbishop Carlson will lead Lessons and Carols from the St. John's Bible on Sunday, December 17th at the Cathedral Basilica, Jennifer Brinker's story this week has all the details and more. In light of the apology from Snap, as you heard moments ago, Dave Luking profiles Father Joseph Chang and his five-year quest to clear his name after two false allegations of abuse. Quote, I'm more grateful to God for the gift of priesthood than the day I was ordained. Unquote, says Father Chang in this story that you won't want to miss. Pope Francis visited state officials, generals, and religious leaders of Myanmar, where they discussed peace and the rights of ethnic minorities. The plight of the ethnic Muslim Rohingya minority in Myanmar's Rakhine state was front and center in speeches by Pope Francis, though he shied away from using the term in some of his meetings. The Living Our Faith section of this week's review has more. Joe Kenny explains how Christmas joy is captured in the artwork of two Catholic school students from the Archdiocese chosen as national winners in the Missouri Childhood Association Christmas Artwork Contest. A winning submission from Holly Arft, a fourth grader at Holy Infant School in Baldwin, depicts an angel singing with a sleeping, smiling baby Jesus in front of her. The other winning entry from Elise McIntyre, a second grader at St. Justin Martyr School in Sunset Hills shows Mary holding baby Jesus, both with big smiles and bright eyes. Two big, bright stars shine in the background. Both winners recently traveled to Washington, D.C., where their artwork is displayed at the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception, and you can purchase the Christmas cards featuring Elise and Molly's art at Catholic Supply here in St. Louis. And finally, CBC and Valley Catholic High Schools look back at successful football seasons, CBC won the state championship in Class 6, while Valley finished second in Class 1. There's a look at what is happening around the Archdiocese of St. Louis. Remember, for these stories, events, and more, visit stlouisreview.com and archstl.org, and follow the Archdiocese of St. Louis and the St. Louis Review on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you for listening to the Catholic Gateway Podcast news update for this week. In just a moment, I'll sit down with Father Nick Smith, Director of the Archdiocese of St. Louis's Office of Worship. Instead of what I usually do, which is interview a reporter with the St. Louis Review, they were all a little busy out on assignments and, and providing the great coverage for the paper. So with it being the first week of Advent, I thought I'd bring in Father Smith to talk a little bit about the new season. So stay tuned in just a second for that. But first, here's an evangelization tip of the week from Michael Horn in the Office of Laity and Family Life. This week's evangelization
1: tip is based on the necessity of fasting and intercessory prayer. Do you think that you can evangelize effectively if you don't pray and fast for the individuals you know who need Christ? Think again. We cannot radiate the unceasing love and tenacious compassion of Christ to others unless we intentionally make sacrifices on their behalf. This is the measure of how much we actually care about another person finding God renewing his or her life, and attaining salvation through grace. It is absolutely more powerful when someone prays and fasts for another instead of just talking to that person every now and then and relying on his own strength and intelligence. So remember to fast and pray for those whom you love and desire to encounter the Lord. For Christ encouraged his
0: apostles to do the same thing. Here we are. Another holiday season is upon us, more properly known as the season of Advent, as we prepare for Christmas. And I thought, you know, what what better expert to bring in than the director of the Office of Sacred Worship for the Archdiocese, Father Nick Smith? Father, thanks for coming in. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. So I wanted to bring you in just to go over a few things about Advent. You know, um, people might know, or they might have their own traditions, or they might be well aware of things. But people, you know, who are still learning about their faith, or converts, or um, younger people just might want to know more. So let's explain a little bit about Advent, what it is, and, and why we need to really embrace the season as a time of preparation for Christmas.
1: Well, first of all, Gabe, um, Advent is uh, the beginning of a new liturgical year. It's the beginning of a new year of grace. And actually, some liturgists, you know, those who study and write about the liturgy, actually maintain that the uh, beginning of the liturgical year is more appropriate during the season of Easter because we celebrated the resurrection, the Pentecost event, then the apostles went out, one of those, of course, being St. Paul, who went on three missionary journeys, establishing those little communities of believers, and that's fine, but that's a discussion for for another time. But chronologically speaking, Advent is um, focusing on that time prior to the coming of Jesus when people were waiting for, expecting, and hoping for uh, the coming of a Messiah.
0: So um, when people go to church then and go to go to mass on Sundays or, or during the week, what, uh, what things are going to see or hear that are going to be different than other times of the year?
1: Well, the first thing that they're going to hear that's a little bit different, although I don't know that they might be aware of this, but They're going to hear new readings because we change our cycle of readings at the beginning of a new liturgical year so we just left behind year a so we're going to begin the b cycle in our sunday readings from the lectionary at mass and um, those readings will primarily come from the gospel of mark mark was the first gospel to be written roughly around the year 70 and mark's the shortest gospel um, of the four canonical gospels so there's going to be new gospel readings but there's also gonna be a new set of readings that we'll use at weekday mass. We just left behind year one, and now we're gonna begin year two. So the readings will be different. Something else that they'll notice a little bit different during uh, mass during Advent is there's no Gloria. We've been so used to that for the past three or four months during ordinary time, so the Gloria is not sung. And that, uh, there's a reason behind that that's supposed to kind of tweak our minds is there's something a little bit different because that's, that, that's missing because it's a different season of the year now. and However, that the glory will be sung during the, um, the Holy Days that occupy the calendar throughout the season of Advent, in particular, um, the Immaculate Conception that mm-hmm. we'll celebrate on December the 8th. Uh, the, the use of organ and other instrumental, um, or musical instruments rather, um, and the decorating of the altar with flowers should be done in a very moderate manner, as is um, reflective of the character of the season, without anticipating the joy of Christmas. So you don't want to have the Christmas trees going up the first Sunday of Advent or the second Sunday of Advent. There might not be anything wrong with putting out a poinsettia or two beginning the third Sunday of Advent. but
0: A little downplayed. Yeah, really, it's not Christmas it yet.
1: Yeah. Even though out in our secular world, Christmas began way before Thanksgiving. Halloween. You it's
0: know that, right? That's when, yeah, that's yeah, when yeah, Christmas yeah. begins. Yeah. Well,
1: Halloween. you know, they have those uh, Christmas sales in December. <laughs> right. uh, not December, in, uh, in June. So yeah. Yeah. You know, it even starts in the summertime. <laughs> Which maybe with in light of St. Louis uh, temperatures, it might be nice to think about uh, <laughs> a little cooler temperatures. But even th- that same thing, um, uh, moderation in the use of instruments, moderation in the use of decorations is also supposed to be the case uh, for the celebration of, of, of matrimony, as is noted in the uh, Order for, uh, for Celebrating Matrimony. So during the season. During the season of Advent, yeah. And that's why it's kind of nice for those weddings that take place uh, during the Christmas season. I mean, they don't have to spend anything on decoration right, because right. our churches are so beautifully decorated for Christmas. My so. wife
0: and I were married January 5th, right before the, the Epiphany. Church was beautiful, yeah. didn't have to do anything. It was great. Yep.
1: And actually, I've got a wedding on uh, the 30th of December at the uh, Shrine of St. Joseph's, and I'm, it's going to be beautiful. Um, the uh, official color during the season of Advent, we've been so used to seeing green for the last several months. The official color of Advent is, is violet. Uh, not purple. Right. It's not purple. It's, it's violet. The color that's used during Lent is, is purple. It's a, it's a lighter color. So you'll see that. Now, I don't know that you're going to see this or not, but the use of blue vestments during Advent is not approved um, in the United States. So it's strictly... Um, the color violet. However, on the third Sunday of Advent, you're going to see a color that you'll only see twice in the liturgical year, and that's the color rose. And we wear that color on the third Sunday of Lent, which is uh, called Gaudete Sunday. So those primarily are the things that people will see differently during uh, liturgy when they come to come to Master in Advent.
0: And what are some other things, though, about Advent that uh, sort of are associated with the season, maybe that aren't uh, liturgical necessarily in nature, but just uh, elements that, that harken back to those traditions and those, the, the, the biblical history that goes along with this season? Okay. Can you explain some of that?
1: Well, you know, Advent it comes from the Latin word Adventus, which um, is a word that refers to arrival, a word that means arrival. So what we do during this season of Advent, it's a season of, of preparation as people were um, hoping and yearning and expecting and preparing for the coming of a Messiah until Jesus finally came, um, this is our time of also making preparations for the coming of Jesus. And there are three preparations that um, we focus on during the season of Advent. The first is the arrival of Jesus through the mystery of the Incarnation, which we celebrate on Christmas Day. so is His coming in history, something that's already been realized. And then the second, Uh, coming that we look forward to or the second coming for which we are making preparations is the coming of Jesus at the end of time, his second coming when everything will be brought to its perfection and his kingdom will be without end. But there's another um, coming that we make preparations for, and um, sometimes we don't remember this during the season of Advent, I don't think, and that is the coming of Jesus into our lives at this moment. And what we have to do in order to prepare ourselves for Jesus entering into our lives right now. Because, you know, He's present all over the place. He's present to us um, through the uh, Blessed Sacrament. He's present to us in our lives of prayer. He's present to us in the various experiences that we have um, each and every day of our lives. So we need to be, as we heard in the Gospel from St. Mark for the first Sunday of Advent, we need to be watchful, we need to be awake, we need to be vigilant. So, those are the preparations that we focus on during the season of Advent. And there are certain ways that we're able to do that spending more time in prayer, learning how to, even though our secular world is high speed in terms of making the preparations for Christmas, we're called to now be silent. And we live in a world where being silent is it's problematic. To, yeah, it's people. very hard yeah, yeah. You know, for people to sit just
0: for a few minutes almost impossible to do, and especially but, when you have so many good podcasts like this to listen to. I would agree with you, you. Know, and there's nothing wrong. Good.
1: These, these are good things because right. you can listen to these, and then then you shut the thing off, and then you spend some moment in <laughs> some moments in silence, reflecting on what was just what was just said in the podcast. But um, you know, technology is great. That's just where we are. These are elements of our lives. But, you know, we do spend too much time watching TV, too much time on the internet, too much time on our cell phone, too much time playing video games. Nothing wrong with that, but as as with anything, too much can be a problem. So we need to learn how to quiet ourselves, and that's how we begin to pray. Because when we talk about prayer, we're talking about quality, not quantity. Mm -hmm. I think it was St. Edmund the Martyr who said, I would rather say five words with every fiber of my being, every part of my heart, than to say a million words that I had no idea what in the world I was saying. Yeah. So, um, so silence is important. And then I think another good thing to do um, to help us prepare is the daily examine of our conscience. You know, At the end of the day, say, okay, where, did, where was I faithful to being a disciple? Where did I see the Lord acting in my life? And where was I not doing what I was supposed to do? And then asking the Lord to help us the next day to do a better job. And then, of course, that would then lead to uh, the Sacrament of Reconciliation, which is a good thing to to do during this. It's a good thing to do always, but certainly— Especially this time of year. exactly. For sure.
0: Were those your tips, or was that—or do you have different ones for—
1: Well, those were uh, were some of them. I was going to—yeah. I can maybe give a couple more.
0: Um, I just want to know if I should still ask that at the end about tips for families and individuals? Yeah, we can. Okay. Just, yeah, you can continue. Uh, So, you know,
1: another thing that people will see, um, and I should have maybe brought this in when you were talking about what would be some things that you would see differently when you attend Mass that you don't see at other times would be the Advent wreath. And the Advent wreath is very much a part of the Catholic tradition. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a wreath that is made of evergreen, and, I mean, you know, it points to the eternal life of Christ. And then there's four different candles, three purple Pardon me. Three violet violent, yeah. and one, uh, one pink, Rose. and uh, pardon me. Rose. Rose. Let's go back and do that again. <laughs>
0: see, <laughs> I even. Let's. I'll, I'll start off leading into the Advent wreath okay. as a way to cut. So I'll just say. Um, and of course, with Advent, there's one uh, major representation of Advent that that we see a lot. That's the Advent wreath. Exactly. Yep. Um,
1: and the Advent wreath, of course, is a, is an important part of the Catholic tradition. Um, an evergreen wreath, you know, evergreen symbolizing the eternal life of Christ. And then the four candles, four being violet and one being rose. And you know, when we think of the color uh, violet, we oftentimes think of penance. And I know that uh, Advent is much different from, from Lent. I mean, Advent is a, is a time of joyful expectation and, and hope uh, for the coming of Christ into our lives. However, in order for that to happen... You know, we've got to lower the hills of our pride and we've got to fill in the valleys of our sinfulness in order for the Lord to come and greet us. So that's why you have those uh, three uh, violet candles. But then there is the rose candle that again is used on the third Sunday of Advent, Gaudete Sunday, Rejoice Sunday. It's kind of a way to take a breather that, you know, the, the coming of Christ is, is just, around, uh, just around the corner. And there's four candles because each candle represents a thousand years, the 4,000 years that people were waiting for the coming of the
0: Messiah. Well, wow. so a lot of lot of symbolism there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very interesting. Now, um, there are there's one other thing I want to mention is that you kind of alluded to. There are a few holy days of obligation. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, every Sunday obviously mm-hmm. is a holy day of obligation. December eighth, the feast of the Immaculate Conception, is also a holy day of obligation. Mm-hmm. This year, it's a little strange because Christmas falls on a Monday, yep. and there's been talk of well, do do we still have to go to mass on Sunday? Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Okay, <laughs> uh, that is. I don't know if problematic is the right word, but certainly— It's raised questions it in people's questions minds, yeah. questions in people's minds, yes. But not only for, for Christmas, then what do we do about January the 1st? So yeah. so on December the 24th, which is uh, the fourth Sunday of Advent, the Masses in the morning um, are if there would be a Mass at noon. Um, so those, those Masses in the, the first part of the day would be the Mass of the fourth Sunday of Advent. Christmas Eve, of course, those Masses begin at four o'clock in the afternoon. So every parish will have a Mass for Christmas Eve beginning at four or five or whatever. And then they'll have a mass, as is said in the Roman Missal, it's 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 Mass uh during the night. It doesn't say midnight mass, although like at the cathedral, there's mass at midnight and some parishes do, but some have them at ten o'clock.
0: It's so the, the old
1: joke, you know, what time is midnight mass? Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well the Holy Father, I think it was under Pope Emeritus Benedict that um he changed it to 10 o'clock, and I think Pope Francis follows the very same tradition, so as long as it's in the night. Right. So the Masses on uh, Sunday evening, that will be the, ma- that will be the Vigil Mass of, of Christmas. Then, of course, Masses on the 25th will be Christmas, Christmas Day. So um, if you can do your Christmas obligation on Sunday, so you could go in the morning, for the fourth Sunday of Advent and then go in the evening for Christmas Day. Or, you know, you could yeah. spread it out and go Sunday morning and then go Monday morning. It's yeah. up to you.
0: But but you could go to Mass twice in one day and get both and, obligations done. Yep, and exactly. There, there you go. Yep, good, exactly. Good to go.
1: And then the same kind of thing is going to happen on uh, the weekend of December 31st and January the 1st. Because January the 1st, of course, is the Solemnity of Mary, the Mother of God. Holy Day... But this year, not a holy day of obligation because it falls on a uh, Monday. Okay. So the Masses that are celebrated on uh, the 31st, December 31st, that Sunday, all Masses of that day will be the um, Feast of the Holy Family of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Then all the Masses, of course, on the 1st will be Solemnity of Mary, the Mother of God. What about the evening Mass? on December the 31st. Mm -hmm. Well, according to the USCCB, because we um, contacted someone there because this was a rather interesting question, that Mass should be the Mass of the Feast of the Holy Family. However, the bishops within their own diocese, can make the decision as to whether that Mass will be the Feast of the Holy Family or if it can be the anticipated Mass of the Solemnity of Mary, the Mother of God. So uh, the uh, Office of Sacred Worship just sent out a memo, I don't know, maybe about a month ago, that um, the Archbishop has given each parish uh, the decision as to whether the evening Mass on the 31st will be the Feast of the Holy Family or it can be the anticipated celebration of Mary, the mother okay. of God. So
0: check your local listings. Exactly. Look at the bulletin. Okay, but uh, good clarification though. I mean, this is, you know, Catholics always wonder about this stuff and what what the minimum requirement mm-hmm. for masses is. So this is good to good to clarify. But you know, we
1: did suggest that uh, parishes on the first, even though it's not a holy day of obligation, that they just not have the one morning mass. That maybe they consider adding one or two more masses. Yeah. Because Catholics have it in their mindset that January yeah. 1st is the Solemnity of Mother of God. We and need most to be, people are off yeah. work anyway. Exactly. Why not
0: encourage exactly. people to go to Mass? So. so, for example,
1: at the cathedral, we're doing Mass eight, ten, noon.
0: Okay. Yeah. Good. Awesome. Awesome. So, bottom line is, you should still, it'd be a good idea to go to Mass on January 1st, but this year, because of the quirk in the calendar and it falling mm-hmm. on a Monday, not an absolute requirement, not, yep. not an obligation, but... Yep. Uh, that's good clarification okay before we get to new year's day though we have a, a whole season to get through uh, what are a few tips i wanted to ask you sort of some ideas you might want to share with families or individuals as they get into the season because there is a lot of business there's a lot going on a lot of parties a lot of mm-hmm. you know family activities whatever mm-hmm. um, what are some ideas you kind of alluded to a few earlier mm-hmm. but do you have any more that people could take to mind during this season and, and really slow down and and prepare well for the coming of christ
1: well you know i don't want to be the grinch i mean <laughs> christmas <laughs> is a great time but you know it comes at a certain time and it's not it's not yet i mean we're we're beginning advent so we still have three weeks of advent so you know um well first of all there's the prayer that the family can say each sunday um as it lights the um, new candle of the advent wreath so before sunday meal or whatever it is gathering the family together and having uh, that kind of a uh, opportunity would be a great thing to do. Um, maybe saying um, the rosary. Maybe it, family might not say it normally, but maybe this is a time when the family can say the rosary one night a week or maybe even do a decade one night for five days, uh, focusing on the uh, joyful mysteries to kind of get our hearts ready for the coming of Jesus. Um, and I don't have any specific name, but, um, you know, a lot of Catholic authors um, and a lot of Catholic publishing houses put out, and I know that you can easily get these from um, Pauline Books and Media or Catholic Supply or any other uh, good Catholic book source, Um, there are daily reflections for the entire season of Advent. That that would be maybe as part of your meal prayer or your evening prayer with your family, whatever, and they're very short little snippet things. It's usually a little reading, then a little thing to reflect upon and just to kind of do something a little bit different. And again, I don't want to be <laughs> the Grinch, but you know, maybe even think about um, decorations for Christmas. I know the weather's been unusually warm, and I know that there was probably that tendency because we tend to be pretty pragmatic and we just want to get things done to probably throw up the Christmas lights, and that's fine. But, you know, maybe think about doing something in a progressive way. You know, maybe the first week of Advent, you put up the Christmas tree, and it just remains bare. And then maybe the second week, you put up the lights. You don't light them, but you put up the lights. The third week, you put up the ornaments. And then the fourth weekend, you could put the nativity set under the tree, if if that's where you put it, and Jesus isn't in there yet. And then, you know, maybe a couple days before the 24th, that's when you can light the tree. So maybe kind of do a progressive kind of solemnity. Might be one thing to
0: do. Yeah, I think they could really bring in that idea of, of journeying and progressing towards mm-hmm. something. And that Hobie, this season, especially if right. you have
1: little kids, you know, they they want to see that tree up now, right? You know, and yeah. then they're going to see a little bit more added each week and yeah. every so often. Every so often, I mean, that it's a great way to kind of build right. that in their hearts. And then we can leave it up until yes, you can leave it up. Piece of the Epiphany. We actually true and. Um, I think within the Hispanic tradition, they can leave it up until the Feast of the Presentation, which is February 2nd. Yeah. So it'd probably be advisable to have an artificial tree, <laughs> yeah,
0: and not right. a real one, but yeah. if you're going to do Might that. Might be but. losing <laughs> some pine needles all over the floor by that That's point. That's true. So, very good. Well, Father, I've taken a lot of your time already. This was very beneficial. I hope it was to me, and, it, and I hope it was to our listeners. Well, good. So uh, thanks for your time, and uh, we'll have to have you back sometime. Great. Thank you, and have a good advent. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Catholic Gateway Podcast. We always welcome story tips and ideas for the podcast. Just send them to communications at archstl.org. That's communications at archstl.org. Make sure to connect with us on social media to stay up to date with what's going on here in the Archdiocese of St. Louis. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for Archdiocese of St. Louis. We're on Twitter at ArchSTL is our handle there, at ArchSTL. And we're on Instagram, at CatholicSTL. And you should follow the St. Louis Review. They're on Facebook. Also, Twitter and Instagram under the handle, at St. Louis Review. That's St. lewis Review. The Catholic Gateway Podcast is a production of the Archdiocese of St. Louis. I'm your host, Gabe Jones. We hope you'll join us again next time here in the Gateway to the West, the Rome of the West, Catholic St. Louis.